Hello and welcome to the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. I should say it's an under-the-weather edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. This is your host, Brian Metzer, and I'm fighting through it. I'm baby-stepping. I'm doing the work, but uh, not feeling very great this week, even though the Pittsburgh Penguins are in the Stanley Cup final, so that has everybody feeling pretty good. But I don't know what the heck happened. Something has uh, plagued me since the earliest moments of this week. I'm doing my best. I'm fighting through it. You'll probably hear a scraggy voiced me doing a Facebook Live video with our own Lauren Kirchman a little bit later, as well ahead of Game 2. But there is a lot to get to today on the show. I'm looking forward to doing this one for you, so uh, just bear with me as I try to power through an under-the-weather edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. Before we get into anything else, though, as always, want to tell you where you can find the show as well as myself on social media. The show can be found at timesonline.com. I'm sure you already know that. Sometimes people don't, though, because it's amazing how many questions I get when I tweet about the show, and people don't know that you can just go simply to um, you know, the Beaver County Times hub on the information highway, timesonline.com, and that's where the show is. So uh, you can find that there, as well as all of our other coverage. We have uh, Steelers podcast, Scholastic, Pirates, much, much more pop culture, everything you need to keep you in the know of current events, Media, sports, news, information, everything you love, timesonline.com. You can also find us at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Simply search Beaver County Times. As for me, you can find me on Twitter, at Brian underscore Metzer. You can find me on Facebook, uh, just Brian Metzer. I believe there's another Brian Metzer that's in Ohio, who is an evangelist who works for Ohio State um, or somewhere just like that. Uh, we occasionally get mistaken for one another online. It's funny because um, someone was tweeting him some hockey questions one day, and he tweeted me and said, your job seems a lot more cool than mine. And uh, I said, hey, man, don't sell yourself short. You're doing the good work out there. But anyway, uh, be sure when you are looking me up that it is the correct me and uh, not the poor Brian Metzer that lurks in Ohio. But that said, let's jump right in here and uh, talk a little bit about the week that was. The last time we got together, the Penguins had just won an exciting Game 6 over the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa Bay. And it's funny, I was talking to my my boy, Sean Rourke, who is the, uh, well, I forget his actual title now. He was a managing editor for NHL.com for a very long time. And now I think he is um, transitioned into an even bigger role. But anyway, he said he was following that game and he loves coming to Pittsburgh. He loves our town so much and uh, he enjoys coming here and hanging out and covering the Penguins. And he, he said, I didn't think I was going to have any chance in heck of getting back to Pittsburgh this season. Penguins went into Tampa and won game six and he was like, uh-oh, I think I have a chance now. And as soon as he won, they won that game, he was like, uh-oh, I know what's going to happen. I'm getting my chance to come to Pittsburgh because he had been following the Sharks out on the West Coast and now he gets to come with those Sharks to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania because the Penguins jumped into a game seven against Tampa Bay on home ice. And let me tell you, Game 7s on home ice were not something that the Penguins wanted to have happen because they weren't very good in them. They lost to the Montreal Canadiens. They lost to the New York Rangers. They lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was just an ugly scenario for the Penguins to have a home ice Game 7, especially since winning the Cup in 2009. Well, this time, make no mistake, the Penguins take care of business. There was no score through the first period. Very energetic in the building. I mean, the energy was just blowing the roof off the place. Fans very much behind their Pittsburgh Penguins. 
it was uh, just a really solid atmosphere. I can't recall a time uh, that that building was louder than it was during the final five minutes or so of this game uh, that we're talking about right now. But it was just a lot of fun to be around and to have a bird's eye view of the whole thing. Penguins out, shoot the lightning eight to five in the first period, had some great chances, could not score a goal though. Uh, nothing, nothing going to the first intermission. And that, that scoreless affair was the theme of the night in a way because Andre Vasilevsky, the young Russian goaltender for the lightning, uh, who was drafted in 2012 alongside Matt Murray, Vasilevsky, as you know, the first goaltender off the board that year here when the draft was in Pittsburgh and Matt Murray, the 10th goaltender off the board. He was a brick wall for most of the night. Peng, the Penguins would finally break through, though, at 1.55 of the second period. It all started with a great breakout pass from Oli Mata. He fed Evgeny Malkin just across the blue line into the offensive zone. Gino pulled up. He found Chris Kunitz probably five feet to his right. He uh, dished a pass to him. Kunitz did the same type of thing. He made a couple strides, pulled up, found Brian Rust breaking into the high slot, fed him, and uh, Brian Rust took a, a beautiful wrist shot on off the on the fly, picked the glove hand corner over Vasilevsky, and gave the Penguins a one nothing lead. Just uh, that that's the moment that you're like, oh, they may actually be able to pull this off and get back to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 2009 and the fifth time overall in franchise history. But just uh, as soon as the Penguins took that lead one to nothing, you're feeling really good about it. Eight minutes later. A thorn in the Penguins' side, Jonathan Drouin, all series long, he had been tormenting them. Well, he took a puck across the high slot area. No one touches him, shoots it back across his body, picks uh, Matt Murray over his left glove hand to tie the game at one. Not a great goal. I wasn't thrilled with it. But at the same time, it's one of those goals where it, it caught Matt Murray off guard. It was coming back across the grain but that glove hand is starting to be a little bit of an issue. You're going to see people trying to focus on it. And I had the opportunity to uh, participate in an event that the great Bob Grove put on Tuesday night out at the uh, Xfinity store in McCandless Crossing. And uh, Bob Grove, if you don't know, is a um, sort of a media relations director for Comcast. And uh, he was introducing uh, Xfinity's new sports app, which I have to say... Um, I don't have Xfinity right now, but it's a pretty neat app. And, uh, if, if you have it, check out, check it out on your cable box because you can bring up, um, box scores and it will show you where the shots were taken on the ice. It'll give you all this inside information, shot attempts, how many shots from where they were taken for each player and so on. But anyway, that's not my point. Pierre Maguire was at this event. Grover arranged for him to be there. And as he pointed out, and it was true, if you notice in game one uh, against the Kings, I mean the Kings, boy, that's a Freudian slip because the Kings are always the Bay Area team in the final. Uh, in game one against the Sharks, Tons of shots going towards Matt Murray's glove. They were hitting him in the shoulder, collarbone, in that area. Keep your eye on that tonight. You'll see that they are trying to target his glove hand. But that's because of goals like the one Jonathan Drouin scored. Uh, he cut across that slot, beat Murray over the glove. You just you hope he can sort of, um, you know, get that under control. Not that it's an issue. You just want to take a step back and realize it could be something teams are going to try and pick on him for so keep our eyes on that moving forward but it wasn't an issue in this game either that would be the only goal that the lightning would score because uh, any momentum they got from the drew angle russ took it right back 30 seconds later when uh 
a uh, Ben Lovejoy got a puck to the net. Uh, Vasilevsky tried to freeze it. Rush chops at it, knocks it in behind Vasilevsky. Not the best goal that that young goaltender has ever allowed. I'm sure he definitely would love to have that one back, but it put the Penguins up two to one. Pen- Penguins were out shooting the Lightning 29 to 10 after two periods. They're holding the two one lead. Lightning weren't ready to go quietly into the night though. They started to pour it on a little bit in the third period. Um, even though they only generated seven shots, it seemed like they were in the Penguin zone for long chunks of time. Penguins weren't necessarily sitting back. I thought they continued to attack a little bit, but, you know, teams get desperate. They're like an animal caught in a trap. They start gnawing at their own leg, trying to get free, and uh, that's what we saw happening in the third period of this game at Consol Energy Center. Well, uh, the next thing you know, though, Penguins get an empty net goal from Carl Haglin. Place erupts. You think the game is over. 3-1. Everybody's, you know, dancing in the streets. David Bowie and uh, <laughs> Mick Jagger style. I'm probably dating myself there. But anyway, uh, it's waved because the puck hit something on the bench believed to be Ben Lovejoy's stick. So they wave the goal. Play comes back to the Penguin zone. Time back on the clock. Hot and heavy in the Penguin zone. Nick Bonino, down the stretch in this game, had to leave with an injury. Comes back on the ice, ends up winning three defensive zone draws. Just unbelievable stuff. Penguins heading back to the Stanley Cup final. It was a cool moment. Handshakes at center ice at Consol Energy Center. Penguins get the Prince of Wales trophy as Eastern Conference champions. And lo and behold, lest you thought differently, Sidney Crosby did touch that alongside of Genny Malkin and Chris Kunitz. Now, for anybody who's not aware of this, because everybody seemed to be mesmerized by the fact that Sidney Crosby touched the trophy. Every time the Penguins have won the Stanley Cup, four, or, or yeah, it's every, this could be the fourth time. Every time they've won it, three times, they touched the Eastern uh, Champion Trophy, the Prince of Wales Trophy. They, they touched it. Mary Lemieux skated around the ice. The one time they did not touch it was in 2008. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Sergei Gonchar opted not to. They lost to the Detroit Red Wings. Next year, they touch it, they win the cup. So um, it, it's a pretty pretty storied history here in Pittsburgh. It's nothing new. Shouldn't be that shocking that the Penguins touched it. They did, so uh, maybe that's a good sign of things to come. But anyway, storylines abound because, as you know, the San Jose Sharks were sitting back waiting to see who they would face in the Easter, I mean, in the Stanley Cup final, and that is the Pittsburgh Penguins. It is the return of Paul Martin. It is the return of Nick Spalling, who, incidentally, a cab driver friend of mine, drove to the arena this morning. Uh, Nick Spalling and Thomas Hurdle took his cab. So uh, he's taking selfies with these guys. I'm like, what are you doing? Just drive him to the arena. Or don't. Don't take selfies with him. You know, that's something you don't want to be doing. But uh, Mike Sullivan should mention him. Penguins coach was an inaugural member of the San Jose Sharks during their first season when they jumped into the league as an expansion franchise. Sully made his league debut with them, played a couple years for the Sharks. Kind of a neat little tie-in for him. He's pretty excited. He, he talked about that during media day on Sunday. He was smiling about it, which, uh, you know, you can't get Sully laughing too often or smiling. And he said, yeah, it's kind of a, a cool thing. But he goes, I would have played anybody in the Stanley Cup final. Should also mention Bob Airy, you know, the Keller man from the Root Sports Pittsburgh broadcasts will, and member of the uh, 91-92 Stanley Cup champs here in Pittsburgh. Bibbs uh, played for the Sharks during their first foray into the Stanley Cup playoffs back in the early 90s, helped them knock off the Detroit Red Wings and Calgary Flames in their first two ever playoff series victories. Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, 
both selected here in 1997 during the NHL draft. They were picked one and two respectively with Joe Thornton going first overall. I was at that draft as a fan sitting up in E28 over at the Igloo. That uh, was the kind of a neat thing because you could sit anywhere you wanted to sit in Mellon Arena. And I believe at that point, though, it was still just a Civic Arena. And um, I went up. I had season seats in E28 at the time. I went up and sat in my season seat. I was one of the only people in the upper deck because you could sit down low. And I'm like, nope, I'm sitting in my seat. That's where I'm going. I uh, had to walk all the way down to the first level, though, to get concessions because they said, you losers upstairs, there's no one going to be sitting up there. We're not opening up a concession stand. So I had to go down and get some food and drink so I could have it up in E28, row E, seats 14 and 15, lest you thought I forgot. And yes, I said lest again. And I always, that's like my little way of giving a nod to Howard Stern because I know he says it too much and I always get a kick out of saying it as well. But anyway, um, that was a cool draft. Penguin selected Robert Deme, who was supposed to be Yaramir Yager part due. Did not happen. He uh, never really lived up to the hype. Uh, he was an outstanding player in the IHL. Played for the Las Vegas Thunder, if I believe. He opted not. He opted to come over from Europe and play in the IHL and tore it up. He was scoring some exciting goals at the time. Lo and behold, never really made it in the National Hockey League. He played for a while, though, but he just wasn't that good. Uh, not good enough to be an impact player in the league. And Shocker. Craig Patrick thought he was going to hit a home run with uh, European draft picks every season after he drafted Yarrow. He spent the next like four or five years drafting Europeans, and none of them really panned out. The only one that did, Marcus Nasland, uh, he ended up giving away it, it, for Alex Stoyanov. Uh, also, I still, you know me, if you listen to the show all, all year long, you know I'm an um, <laughs> Alexei Morozov fan, the Greyhound, 1995 draft pick. Uh, love that guy, and uh, I still think he would have thrived in the new NHL. But a couple more tie-ins here before we talk about Game 1 the other night. Johan Hedberg, the Moose, you know, uh, we, we like to mention him from time to time because that was such a fun run uh, during Mario Lemieux's comeback season where the Moose was in net. They picked him up at the trade deadline. They go to the Eastern Conference Final and lose. Well, he's now the goaltending coach for the San Jose Sharks. Penguins actually got him from the Sharks in a trade, and uh, now he is back working for them as their goaltending coach. Mario Lemieux, should mention him. I just, I just dropped his name as uh, talking about his comeback year. He feasted on the Sharks during his career. 49 points in 14 career games against them. The great San Jose Shark power play against a Penguins team that can be lured into taking too many penalties. That's going to be a storyline that we've got to watch throughout this series because if you notice in Game 1, they tried to do some things to get the Penguins off their game. Joe Thornton went hard, pretty hard and heavy after Evgeny Malkin. They both took off setting minors, luckily. Penguins did give them one power play. It resulted in a goal in the back of the net. They scored on one shot on the power play. That's all it took for the Sharks to beat the Penguins. They've come into this series with a 27% conversion rate. You can't give them opportunities. So the Penguins have to keep their heads. Guys like Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin cannot take dumb penalties. So remember that. Uh, I, I think they are going to be able to rein it in, though. Maybe Evgeny Malkin will be calm because we should mention congrats go out to him. Uh, he's the father of a new son, Nikita Malkin was born just yesterday at 11.45 local time, I believe it was. And this just seems like something, the baby weighed 7.1 pounds. What are the chances of that? I think they put the baby on the scale and he came in at like 6.9 or 7 and the doctor put his thumb on the scale just to get it to 7.1 because that's just a little too uncanny, don't you think? 
I do. I, I don't know that that's that, that seems a bit farcical. But at the same time, it's a neat story, and maybe it's what Gino needs to calm down and get himself going. I think he'll just be—he's going to be fine in this series. I'm looking forward to seeing him. But anyway, I'm sort of rambling here today. I think it's the cold medication that I'm on, but uh, I do appreciate you guys listening just the same. Um, two highest-scoring teams in the playoffs: Sharks and Penguins. Sharks leading the way. Penguins came in number two, three and a half goals per game for the Sharks. You've got to be cognizant of that. Can't give them too many opportunities in the offensive zone. And if you look at how the Penguins played them in game one, they don't intend to. They want to keep the game on the other end of the rink, playing against Martin Jones, the Sharks goaltender. And that's the other storyline for me. Looking at Matt Murray and Martin Jones, two first-year starters going head-to-head. Martin Jones played the whole season for the Sharks. By all accounts, had a pretty good run. Uh, Six shutouts during the regular season. Three in the playoffs. Matt Murray, we all know what he's done. He's been an outstanding story for this team. Uh, Both of those guys, though, have been probably two of the best stories of the playoffs. I think Martin Jones, though, has not been tested near enough in these playoffs, and that's what the Penguins need to do to him. you got to put him under siege, keep shooting, keep pucks going in his direction. Now, it all started with media day on Sunday. It was the calm before the storm. It was kind of a fun experience because uh, you get a chance to interact with pretty much every player on both teams. Uh, the coaches and general managers talked, and uh, it was just a feel-good vibe. One thing we should point out, Trevor Daly, he met with the media for the first time since breaking his ankle in the Lightning Series, and just you want to feel bad for a human being. This poor guy, over 800 NHL games, not able to go now in the Stanley Cup Final, but I will say he did divulge from his dais, from his little podium that he was on, that uh, he's not ruled himself out for the year. I know Mike Sullivan said he's done for the playoffs. Trevor Daly said, I'm going to do everything in my power to try and come back. If this goes the distance, if you go down to six or seven games, which let's hope it doesn't, for the, and that means that the Penguins won it early or you know whatever, um, but, but he feels like he might be able to give it a go. He says it's a very big, long shot. But at the same time, he needs that little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel for himself. He said he knew it was a problem immediately when it happened. And he said he wished that Ryan Callahan would have just hit him a little harder. Because the fact that he didn't hit him extra hard sort of just jerked him in an awkward situation with his foot turned in a weird way. And he said he just felt something that didn't feel right in that ankle. And uh, he, he went down, knew he was in trouble, and he said, I was just trying to get back to the front of the net to make a play until I heard a whistle. And uh, that's the kind of warrior that Trevor Daly is. But I did feel horrible for him in his first meeting with the media. Speaking of feeling horrible for guys, told you how just about every player was available. Every guy at a podium or a table, getting talked to. Justin Schultz was a popular candidate for interviews. Obviously, Sidney Crosby, Phil Kessel, all the, all the big names. Derek Pouliot sitting there. For a while, the kid's just twiddling his thumbs, no one going up to him, no one talking to him. Well, my buddy Russ Cohen, who hosts um, NHL Prospect Radio for um, uh, the NHL Network on, um, on Sirius XM, he went up. He remembered Derek Pouliot from the 2012 draft year. He was uh, pretty pretty in, in the know on him as a player, and he went and talked to him for a while, and that broke the ice. It was sort of like speed dating. All of a sudden, the kid was in high demand. There were a ton of people there talking to him, so it was kind of a neat little situation, but I felt bad for a moment when he was just sitting there twiddling his thumbs, looking like a, uh, you know, you almost needed the sad trombone because no one was talking to Derek Pouliot, and uh, I, get, I think that's sort of the story of that kid's season, but anyway... Um, the only other thing coming out of media day, Sidney Crosby was asked a question about the Prince of Wales trophy 
and why he felt comfortable touching it. He told the story about how the Penguins have always touched it whenever they've won, so he was keeping a trend going. So that was a fun moment. Phil Kessel was a feel-good moment. One of the most ridiculous things I heard during Media Day was a national writer, I'll leave him nameless, went to Matt Murray, who I think everybody's pretty well aware of who he is and what he's been doing, said, uh, first question out of the gates for Matt Murray, Matt, now's your chance. No one knows a thing about you. Now's your chance to tell everybody a little bit about Matt Murray and uh, something they don't know about you. And I'm thinking, what, what, what don't we know about Matt Murray by now? And maybe I'm a little bit biased because we're here in town, but this guy's somebody that I know covered his junior career, did, did all this, and then he's saying, you know, Nobody knows a thing about you, Matt Murray. Well, I think everybody does. Matt Murray didn't take the bait, though. He said, uh, I'm not going to touch that one. Anyway, on to game one. Great moment for the city of Pittsburgh. Stanley Cup game back here in town. I know I personally was over the moon. It was the first chance I got to work radio for a Stanley Cup final game. I was very excited about that. So uh, hopefully you got to hear it. Hopefully I didn't let anybody down here in the city because I know that was being broadcast to parts unknown all over. Uh, via Sirius XM, via uh, iHeartMedia, via everything else. It was all over. So uh, I was pretty excited about it. And a cool little aside, Mike Lang told me before the game, when I went in and I talked to the old 2-9er and he about the fact that it was sort of an honor for me being a Pittsburgh kid growing up, watching Mike Lang call the 91-92 <clears throat> Stanley Cup games, as well as 9 even though I was covering that one. But as a uh, just a straight fan, as a teenager here in Pittsburgh, watching those and getting a chance to see Phil Bork with the whole party on the river and all that kind of thing that went on back in the day, to now have a chance to work a Stanley Cup final game with those guys was a, a fairly great honor for me. And I let those guys know. And Mike Lang said to me, he said, Brian, he goes, just go out and treat it like any other game. Do your thing. You'll be fine. I thought that was so neat. And he, or he said, you'll be all right. That's what he said. And I just thought that was nice uh, that he said that. And this cold actually made my Mike Lang impression come through a little bit better. But I thought that was kind of a neat thing to have Mike Lang say, you know what, just go out and do your thing and you'll be all right. That was really cool. And uh, we did. We got through it. And so did the Pittsburgh Penguins. They came out guns a-blazing in game one. Heck of a first period. Carrying pace, carrying play, shooting from everywhere. Brian Rust, who, according to my pal Sean Gentilly, who writes for the Sporting News, earned quote-unquote never buy a drink in Western PA status with his Game 7 performance against the Lightning. Well, he opens the scoring at 12.46 of this game. Um, just took a pass from Chris Kunitz, carried it into the zone, hit Justin Schultz, who was calling for the puck, mind you. Schultz tries to uh, throw a wrister to the net. It deflects off the knee of Mark Edward Vlasic, bounces right into an area where Brian Rust bangs it in behind Martin Jones. Great goal. Shows little. It shows the young kids that you get rewarded if you go to the net, and uh, it's one nothing Penguins. Sidney Crosby, who had probably his best uh, playoff game of the year, maybe his best playoff game ever, even though he only had an assist. Uh, it was by far his best Stanley Cup final game ever. Great individual effort on the left wing wall. He he cuts down the boards, makes a spin move, and cuts back undresses Justin Braun, the Sharks defenseman that was out there trying to defend him. He falls. He's on the ice. Sid makes a great backhand read, throws it to Sheary, who was over in the right faceoff dot. It was one of those seeing-eye passes, though. Cross rink, backhand, right on the tape. Sheary picks it up. He wait, and, and this is something that when people worry about Connor Sheary, look at this play. There's no reason to worry about this kid. It was a seasoned veteran move. He, he waits until Patrick Hornquist cuts in front of him to unleash the shot. 
which made the perfect screen, and he picks it just under the corner of uh, the far post on Martin Jones to make it 2 nothing. Just really a great goal from a young player. Penguins 15-4 to in shots after one period. But the Sharks, that just showed me they just weren't quite ready for the speed of the Penguins in the first period. They came out in the second ready to roll. Ian Cole didn't make it any harder on them. He took a penalty early in the second period. Sharks power play talked about that just a moment ago. Clicking at 27% in the playoffs. Needed just one shot. Thomas Hurdle, he scored from in tight to make it 2-1. to one. Later, as the Sharks were rolling up a 13-8 to eight edge in shots, Patrick Marlowe would take a Brent Burns rebound and score on a wraparound to tie the game at two goals apiece. They'd go to the second intermission that way, but then the third period began in very dubious fashion. Patrick Marlowe laid a check into the head of a steamrolling Brian Rust. He was coming through the neutral zone, and you know how he skates. A lot of times, I mean, he's had his head up a lot more than he used to, but he was sort of looking down. He's coming through there with speed. But And I refuse to go along with this. The, the referees on the ice, they gave him two minutes for an illegal check to the head. League said Russ put himself in a vulnerable spot. They saw no intent on Marlowe's in, in, uh, behalf, all this kind of stuff. I don't know. If you look at it from the back angle, it looks like he lays into his head pretty good, catches him. Right across the chin, Russ goes down, off to the quiet room he goes. Uh, no discipline for Marlowe, just to mention that again. A lot of people, it was a very polarizing decision. Some people think that it was a good call, others do not. But uh, he had to leave the game. I hate when people try and blame the skater. Well, he put himself in a vulnerable spot. It's his, it's his fault that he got hit, blah, blah, blah. No. You shouldn't have to deal with that kind of hit coming across your chin and head. But we can rail about that over the summer when we're looking for topics to talk about here. Um, but the next thing you know, though, he came back for just one more shift in the game. Couldn't go. Took himself out. So no Brian Rust for most of the third period. Penguins were not able to score on that power play. They were carrying play throughout the third, though. Just flying like they were in the first. Ended up out shooting the Sharks 18-9. to Nick Benino eventually scores with just two minutes and 33 seconds remaining to push the Penguins in front, in front three to two. And it allowed the uh, Punjabi uh, TSN announcers to go nuts again with their Benino, 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 which has been one of the greatest things. I tweeted it uh, after each game that they've done the Benino call. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's, it's great stuff. They bring such a smile to your face. They're so enthusiastic about the Nick Benino goals. And uh, it's just a fun name. And this one was even better because the guy's voice cracks. And then he, he throws out about 40 Beninos in his high-pitched voice before saying, Nick Bonino, which was kind of cool. But anyway, he scored the game-winning goal. Brent's, Brent Burns lost his stick on the play. Paul Martin lost Benino, took the pass, flipped it over Jones' glove. Game, set, match. Now, couple things coming out of this. Sidney Crosby played like a man possessed. We'll see if he can carry that into game two this evening at Consol Energy Center. Justin Schultz has been a breath of fresh air for the Penguins. He looked outstanding in this game. He had to shoulder some bigger minutes, played his highest minute total of the playoffs, did not miss a step. I'm curious to see how the Sharks attack him this evening. Will they come at him? Will they uh, be physical with him? Will they try to knock him off the puck, knock him around a little bit? But he's been getting rid of the puck quickly, been making smart Smart reads and smart plays, but he looked great. Brian Rust, the legend, continues to grow. He's a game-time decision for this. We'll see if he's able to go. Matt Murray, very solid yet again. An interesting nuance. Keep your eyes on this. At the event that I was at with Bob Grove and Pierre Maguire, 
uh, Pierre pointed out that of the Penguin shots in the game, he felt that of all of the saves that Martin Jones makes, he uses his right leg a lot to make tons of saves. For some reason, he's just a guy that's comfortable making his right legs or using his right leg to make using his right leg to make saves. Sorry about that. And uh, what he did in this situation was he would move. He doesn't move a ton in the net. If you read the sizing up I did the other day, you could read about that. He's been called a quiet mover in his crease over the course of his career. Well, what he does, though, is he gets himself in position to drop his right leg down. And he gets he doesn't go into a butterfly. He stays upright a lot, and he drops his right leg. That's something I didn't really notice too much. Well, Pierre said on the broadcast tonight, if you're watching on NBC Sports Network, he'll have a package showing a little bit more about it. But he figured roughly 30 of his 38 saves were probably right pad saves, which is just intriguing stuff. That's something that you'll be curious to see if the Penguins can exploit that. I'm sure that their video coach, Jim Britt, is taking advantage of that and putting a reel together on it right now. Uh, Game two on deck this evening. Penguins already know Sharks are going to come out hungrier than they were in Game 1. Probably a stronger first period for those guys than Game 1. Rust already mentioned it, but a game-time decision. We'll see if he's able to go. He skated late on Tuesday, was on the ice with the coaches, and uh, did some uh, some work on his own with them, and then went through the, the uh, optional skate on Wednesday morning today and uh, said it was so far so good, but he'd have to see if he was able to go and be able to play uh, in this game. He's going to be a game-time decision. Now, for me, here's the big question. Who will go if he cannot? I feel like Oscar Sundquist is a good bet because you can move Matt Cullen up to play on the wing with Evgeny Malkin. Sundquist is a prototypical third or fourth line um, center. He can just go right in there and do what he needs to do to shut other teams down. I thought he had some really good games down the stretch. No word on what they will do, though. Some people are calling for Bo Bennett. Bo Bennett did not have a great game in the Lightning series when he was inserted for Game 5, where the Penguins lost. He ended up finishing with a a, a minus 2 in the game and just two shots on goal. Matt Nieto, he will join the lineup for the San Jose Sharks. Nieto is probably the fastest skater on the Sharks roster. There was some talk that he could play maybe in Game 1. Didn't happen, but Nieto said, I feel good and I'm prepared for it, so I'm ready to go. His return does mean that a regular will be scratched from the Sharks lineup. That identity has not yet been revealed. Peter DeBoer said they will get to that decision by game time, so we'll see what happens there. Brian Rust, uh, we talked a lot about him here today. He had the biggest contingent of reporters at his stall today that, that he's ever seen. He was a little bit overwhelmed by it, but by all accounts got through it very well. He said, this was a little unexpected. It's a little bit new to me. That was all he could say about it. And he said, I feel good so far, but just going to take it through the afternoon and see how I feel come game time. Uh, Marlowe, no discipline. Rust is okay with that. He goes, the hit is what it is. The league looked at it. They dealt with it. They did what they thought was right. I didn't really take much time to look at it or think about it. Uh, Mike Sullivan confirmed, though, that the rookie will be a game-time decision, in case you thought I was just making that up. That was uh, Sully's call, not mine. And uh, overall, you know, there really wasn't a ton else to that came out of the... the um, the practice today. I mean, it's business as usual. We all know what's going to be going on. Uh, there's some talk that maybe Dinah Zubris will be the guy to come out of the lineup in favor of Matt Nieto. I think they like his experience. Dinah Zubris was in the league since 1996. 
Uh, he broke in with the Philadelphia Flyers. He's been in the playoffs a number of times. He's a guy that probably brings them uh, just a little bit of a veteran edge. I know he only played uh, single-digit minutes last game, but I, I don't know that that's the guy that will come out, but that's who's being speculated about coming out for the Sharks. Got a couple quick Twitter questions. Let's get to those. We'll get your news of the weird, and then we'll send you on your way here. But uh, our buddy Chris, Needles Heel, he asked me, Amazing season for the Pens and fans. Real simple, Brian. Can the Pens win the Cup and how? Well, yeah. I mean, they're one of two teams that has a chance at it. They're there. They're up one game to nothing. They're right there in the thick of things. If they play the way they did in Game 1 or play a full 60 minutes, which we hope they will do, I think they've got as good a chance as, uh, as the San Jose Sharks do of winning this Stanley Cup, if not a little bit better, because the Sharks didn't seem to have an answer for their speed in Game 1. I know... You know, pretty much every expert under the sun has picked the Sharks, but I think the Penguins are uh, a prime prime position to go ahead and win this Stanley Cup. They've got to play sound defense. I'm sure the Sharks are going to try and attack their their green defenseman. That means going after Justin Schultz. That means going after uh, Brian Dumoulin and Oli Mata. But if those kids can hold up, Penguins will be fine there. You need Matt Murray to continue to play solid, and you need the Stars to continue to play at a high level. Sidney Crosby's going to have to get on the board. Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel, HBK in general. If those guys play the way we know they can, yes, a Sydney, I mean a, a Sydney Cup, a Stanley Cup is in the offing for this team. So uh, thanks for your question as always, Chris. Always appreciated. Uh, Jim Petrozzi asked this question during the broadcast the other night. He asked, what causes a lapse in momentum such as the Penguins had in period two of, of a, after a very well-played first, and how do you get it back? Well, I think you saw it come back in the third, just the way that they, um, just the way that they started um, playing hockey, the way they did, getting back to their game, just getting on the forecheck, moving pucks up the ice quick, getting in on the attack. That's what you got to do. You you can't let the Sharks start to dictate because that's the thing. You got to remember, there's two teams on the ice. So while the Penguins dipped in the second period, the Sharks also pushed back quite a bit. It's not that the Penguins just didn't play well. The Sharks came out. They didn't necessarily make adjustments, but they upped their level. They started to skate better. They started to just bring their level up a notch, and uh, it seemed to throw the Penguins off a little bit because as the same way that the Sharks were caught off guard by the Penguins' speed, I don't know that the Penguins expected to come out to that big a push in the second from the Sharks, and especially starting shorthanded didn't help them. So that sort of set the tone for the entire period. Penguins worked from there, were able to get it back, and it didn't hurt them. So you just got to find ways to dictate your pace and dictate and play your game for 60 minutes and you'll be fine, Jim, and, and that's how it's going to work. Now, news of the weird. This is a follow-up because you may remember months back here on the show, a story we had from West Palm Beach, Florida, a man threw an alligator through a drive through window uh, and it was he was arrested and just a pretty freaky situation as he threw this alligator through the window of a, I believe it was a Wendy's. Well... Here it is. Here's the follow-up. One-year probation is all you get for throwing an alligator into a restaurant. I mean, you know, first of all, the alligator, he clearly didn't want to be there, would be my guess. So you're, you're, you're throwing him there against his will, and uh, you're terrorizing the workers. All you get is one-year probation. Florida man who threw an alligator through a drive through window was sentenced to one year of probation after throwing himself at the mercy of the court. 24-year-old Joshua James told the judge Tuesday... He's sorry he threw the alligator through the window at a Wendy's last October. 
He said he found the nearly four-foot gator by the side of the road and meant to play a prank on a friend at the restaurant. James was initially charged with felonies, including assault with a deadly weapon, but no one was hurt by the gator, which was captured and returned to the wild. Who knew that a gator was considered a deadly weapon? But anyway, the Palm Beach Post reported that James entered an an open plea on two misdemeanors. And with that, we wrap up this edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. I thank you for being here today, as you always are. We'll see what the Penguins can do. Game two on tap this evening against the San Jose Sharks, Consol Energy Center. Be there at the Beaver County Times Facebook page at around uh, somewhere between 545 and 615. I'm sure we'll have a Facebook Live video for you with myself and Lauren Kirchman. Check in postgame there. The Twitter feed at, at Times Scores. My own Twitter feed at Brian underscore Metzer. We will have you covered in terms of post-game coverage, so check all that out. Uh, check out Lauren's feed as well. Of course, I, I'm a horrible host, and I don't have her handle right here in front of me, but I will. I have tweeted it out several times, and uh, I'm trying to act swiftly here. BCT underscore L Kirchman. So look up Lauren as well for all of our post-game coverage tonight, and we'll have you covered for Game 2, Penguin Sharks Stanley Cup Final, and uh, you know, we're, we're calling this one down the middle, but boy, won't it be fun for all involved if your Penguins are leading this one two games to none after tonight. But we'll talk about it all here next week on Wednesday. So be there or be less than circular for the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. <laughs>